sinner's eye and sing your praises to the Lord of all shout his name children of Zion has won Jesus has won the victory when he shed his blood for me Jesus has won the victory <laughs> Jesus has won the victory when he shed his blood for me Jesus has won the victory for the Lord he is good and his love endures forever children lift up a shout we shout to his name We celebrate For the Lord He is good And his love endures forever Children lift up a shout Lift up a shout Lift up a shout to his name Come on. Sing your praises to the Lord of all. <laughs> we shout his name, children of Zion. We sing these praises to the Lord of all. Jesus has won the victory when he shed his blood for me. Jesus has won the victory. Come on! Jesus has won the victory when he shed his blood for me. Jesus has won the victory for the Lord. He is God and his love endures forever. Children, lift up a shout, lift up a shout to his name. steadfast love Ooh. I said your steadfast love oh God Ooh. for the Lord he is good let's declare this together for the Lord he is good his love endures forever for the Lord he is good yeah and his love endures forever for the Lord he is good and his love endures forever for the Lord he is good and his love endures forever And his love endures forever. Children, lift up a shout, lift up a shout, lift up a shout to his name. For the Lord, he is good, 
the war on drugs. It links America's veterans to hate groups. You that nobody at the Federal Reserve is keeping track of the losses, a $2 trillion portfolio. He can't talk about his faith with his peers. Another American beheaded by the radical ISIS militants. The goal of our jihad and resistance is to implement the law of Allah. Are receiving lethal amounts of pain medication from VA hospitals. Tomorrow, turning them into profit centers. State's ban on same-sex marriage is officially over. I'm tired about people being incarcerated. There's a big money to be made in the privatization of the prisons. I'm tired of the hospitals injecting people and killing people across America because they're driven by the drug companies. You can't believe anything. They're rewriting history. Facts are being changed. Things are being altered. I'm concerned for the people because they're not ready. You've heard me say it for years. If you're not on fire, you're not radical for the kingdom of heaven, you are not ready for what's coming. America needs a heart change. America needs to come back to God. We need to get the Ten Commandments back in our courthouses. We gotta get prayer back in the school. We gotta get the Bible back as required reading in our schools, in our young people. The fear of God's got to come back in our country. Who will stand in the gap on behalf of a nation and tell the devil, no, you're not touching my country. No, you're not touching my children. God is waiting on you. What is it going to take for the American people to wake up? Don't look at the problems and walk away. You say, God, what do you want me to do? Don't tell me one person can't do a lot. One woman stopped praying in schools. What can one person full of Jesus, full of the Holy Ghost do? You better wake up and rise up in the land. We've got to mobilize everybody. It can't be just one or two or three preachers. Every person from the little child to the oldest saint. We need every one of you. So all hands on deck. Everybody get involved. Come on, let's take back America. It's the only hope. Another great spiritual awakening. thing about this final move of God is there'll be no unused members in the body of Christ. No unused members. But look over in Psalm 91 real quick. I'm going to show you something about a refuge because it, uh, we're, we're going to need to hang out in one. Got to live in one. And, but I want to show you Psalm 91, just a couple verses, and then we're going to go somewhere else. He said, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. Say, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you. Say, He'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler. The fowler is as a bird that's caught in a trap. Remember Elvis, I'm caught in a trap. Remember that? We won't sing that. I won't go there. It's just the way it's happening this week, I guess. And from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings, you, say I, I. shall take refuge. And so a refuge, there's two aspects of that. Number one, he is our refuge. God, our refuge. But we have to take refuge. It's a place. There's preparation. You got to get there. You see that? I will. It's a choice that we make. So I sat down by this river. No, not a river, just a mountain stream. And I said, God, what is a place of refuge? And here's what he told me. I'm just going to plant a little seed in preparation of that July 22nd meeting. You guys want to mark it down. I'm telling you, if you're the least bit interested, and I've never met a man like this. He's from Texas. And um, I just said, you got to come. Can you come? And he said, yes, I can. He's going to help us get connected. Uh, uh, I'm going to let him tell you. The stuff he told me is mind-boggling. I said, God, how can you do stuff like that in America? He reminded me. He said, I'm God. I've got a plan. I haven't vacated you. I'm doing stuff. It's really encouraging. Because you may look around sometimes and think, God, what are you doing? 
You should look in a mirror when you say that. And he'll show you what he's doing. He's doing it through you. You're what he's doing. But he's connecting us together. But here's what I got. A place of refuge is a place of protection. Plagues that came upon Egypt. What did they do? What did those plagues do? They separated the people of God from the people of Egypt, right? God made a distinction from those that lived in Egypt from those that lived in Goshen. And um, God, there was a wall, an umbrella, protection. But think about this. The last plague also the people of God would have to face if they did not obey what God told them to do. How many of you know that? You know, we think sometimes we will normally be free from all plagues. I mean, what if the people of God, Israel, would have stood on the scripture, no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. But they didn't get out and sprinkle the blood over their doorposts. Would they have been spared? They would have died the, the firstborn of each family. And so they had to obey. This is a time, yeah, we stand on scripture, but we also obey the word of the Lord. And uh, there's, a, there's a, the responsibility that we have. God's going to preserve a people. Whatever happens, a people will be preserved for a great, great, great ingathering. It's going to happen before, during, and after. I don't know the whole picture. I'm just getting ready for it, Tarina, just like you. We're all getting ready. And then it's a place of provision, supernatural multiplication. Get ready, guys. We've talked about miracles We're going to see them. When it's a difference in life or death, you'll you'll really go after a miracle. How many of you know that? Desperation. Desperate. I read where, this is almost horrible to think about. Was it in Iraq? That ISIS crucified two infants because they were fed during a particular holy time. Ramadan or whenever. And they crucified these two infants. And it talked about how the people, the believers of Iraq, they are desperate and petrified, it said. But the only thing that's sustaining them is their worship and their love for God. They love Jesus with all their heart, and he's sustaining them. But it's a place of protection. Also provision and attention. This is what I got. This will be a time of attention. The people of God are going to come to attention. We're going to do that. Yes, sir. Listen, we serve the captain of the Lord of hosts. We're the army of the living God. They're heaven's armies. We're earth's army. And they're going to help us to accomplish the great work that we've been called to accomplish. But also, people are going to get the attention they need. How many people we walk by every day and they're plagued with all kinds of stuff. We could get them set free, but we're plagued in our minds. And God's going to make sure we get back to the nitty-gritty. We've been put here not just for ourselves. We've been put here for others. And uh, we're going to give people the attention. When we left uh, Tampa Bay the last time we were down there at Rodney's place, this was really wild. The unthinkable happened in front of us. We were delayed. And uh, so anyway, we're, it's like a five-lane interstate. I don't even know what it is, 70-something. Anyway, we're on it, and the unthinkable happens. A motorcycle guy in front of us has a blowout, and we're going 70 miles an hour, and there are trucks everywhere. It's, and he's probably 100 yards up, though. Somehow, by the grace of God, he, it happened at the right time. But anyway, he blows out, and I see his bike flipping. And then he starts flipping and rolling. 70 miles out rolling over to the, the end or the side of the interstate. So we, I quickly got over to the left, and uh, others were dodging as well. But, but then uh, Shirley got out trying to block traffic because I wanted to go help this man. You know, I mean, I saw it. I'm going to get over the best I can. So she gets out, you know, everything she knows to do and all this stuff, you know. Like, stopping these trucks, this is great. Shirley, wow, you're a woman of great faith. Anyway, so I, I get over. My question is, well, first of all, I, is he alive? And then I said, man, do you know Jesus? You know, that's my first question. Do, do you know Jesus? Because I didn't know. If he was alive, I didn't know he'd be alive very long. 
but he was alive, he could talk, but it blew me away. The first person there was a nurse. The second person there was a pastor, who's a chaplain, I'm also a chaplain. The third person was a nurse. And then another guy came that was from some local fire department, just happened to be passing by. And anyway, he was, you know, we ministered to him, loved on him until the, the guys came that knew what they were doing. But as I'm talking to him, he asked me, he said, hey, can you get the ants off of me? Because they started crawling up my legs too, ants. Bite, I mean, I said, man, here you are. You survived what I just saw, and now the ants are going to wreck you. You know what I mean? So I was trying to get, and they were biting me too. But anyway, I asked the Lord, and here's what he told me. He said, in the coming days... I'm going to have my people who have been trained at the right place, at the right time, the right people, they're going to show up, be ready. Now, there are going to be some ants we have to deal with. There's always going to be pests, always. Don't think your warfare is over, but God's going to have us in the right place at the right time to be the right people doing His will. And I know it's going to happen. And then it, God said, direction. At places of refuge, people will come from all over, and they'll get direction, and then they'll leave. They won't stay. There'll be people that'll leave after certain periods of time. We got to prepare to take care of them while they're here. Help. That's all I know to say. God, help if we're going to be one of those. And then, but also His presence, His pre a place of His manifest presence. People tell us. I know, you know, we're here, so maybe we lose some of that, but people that visit here, they say, man, the presence of God is in that place. I just sense the peace of God there, and I just want to hang around and such. I'm telling you that we had not seen anything yet. It's going to increase these places where the manifest presence, it's, it will be as if Jesus himself is in that room. And it will be that way. He will be Jesus himself. I read an article, I'm just to preserve time, you can read it. We sent it out, but it's from Acts chapter 7. Remember Joseph, he had been rejected, betrayed by his own brothers. And then while he was in prison, remember, he, uh, you know, was falsely accused and uh, disappointed. He thought he was going to get out. And uh, it said three things about Joseph. It said that, first of all, it said that God was with him. Remember that? But God was with him. He delivered him out of all of his troubles. He gave him favor and wisdom, and he made him governor. Even though all that happened to him, God had him in the right place at the right time. But the key in that scripture was, but God was with him. And that's going to be the overwhelming testimony of the people of God in America in the coming days. You see, everybody will be saying, do you know what's happening? And you're going to say, but God, but God, but God is with me. And but God is here. And there'll be a testimony that not, will not be, they'll not be able to deny. And it'll be a place of revelation, a place of ingathering, a place that's hidden. How can it be all of that at one time? But that's what he said. It's a place of hiddenness. Now, I got to address this issue. Then I'm going to, I'm going to end in some, some good news. It's all good news. These people that say, oh, only confess positive things. They must have not read most of the Bible. Some of it is not that positive. Can you imagine? The wages of sin is death. Oh, I can't say that. That's negative. Death, that's a negative thing. Wait a minute. The Bible already said it. It don't matter if you agree with it or not. The wages of sin is death. Now, that applies to people, individuals, or a nation. If a nation continues in its sin, what's going to happen? Death. Some people say, don't, don't, don't agree with the devil. The devil didn't say it. God did. There's a lot. We want to blame the devil. And you can read plenty of what God had to say about sin, about nations that run from him and depart from him. But, the, but it doesn't stop there, does it? The wages of sin is death, but what's the rest of the story? But the gift of God is eternal life. It's not a force, it's a gift. A gift 
people are going to die in their sin. If they come to Jesus, then the whole thing changes. Jesus is the game changer. When we come to him, when nations turn to him, then everything changes. But I, I, I want to address something. I heard our president make these statement after gay marriage was approved and marriage was struck down and gay marriage was made the law of the land. He said these, there are days like this when a slow, steady effort is rewarded with justice that arrives like a thunderbolt. When I heard that, and then I looked it up, I read it. My thought, I flashed back to the movie, The Ten Commandments, and how Pharaoh spoke his own judgment. Remember that? In the movie. The movie was a little bit different than in real life. But I remember, and my thought was, you do not know what you're saying. You do not know what you're saying. Listen, the Supreme Court is not the author of justice. God is the author. Justice and righteousness are the foundation of his throne. And if I remember correctly, justice came to Babylon in one hour. Like a thunderbolt. And we should pray for our president. He does not know what he has done, what he has said. He doesn't know. Those justices, they don't know what they've done. And, uh, but we, the people of God, need to know where we're going. Matthew Henry said, he said it this way. He said, suffering in a good cause should rather sharpen than blunt the edge of holy resolution. And if we remain silent in this hour, it is evil. It is evil. God has never called the church to remain silent. We're called to speak the truth. The only way people will be set free, the only way America will be set free is if somebody tells them the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That is the most feared scripture in Cuba today. That's what the pastors told us. That's the one the Communist Party doesn't want to hear about. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Oh, by the way, you need to know this, America. Since our president went to Cuba, the persecution against the church has gone this way. It's gone upward. And churches now are being, I've heard George Sinus articles, being taken over. And now they have to pay rent to what previously belonged to them. It's an interesting time in which we live. Now, I want to share, because I got some emails I got some text. I'm just going to tell you like people said, because I know some of you are thinking some of this. And then we're going to see what the Word says. Here's what Don and Margaret said. Can I just read that, Margaret? Is it okay? I like theirs. This ruling on gay marriage is the best thing that could have happened to America. And I had to think about that a moment. Now the churches, now here's the good part. Now the churches will have to make a decision. Who among you is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. The lukewarm church will be exposed. And they will not be able to sit on the fence or work both sides anymore. Let their yes be yes and their no be no. That was a word from the Lord, Margaret. James Dobson. I, you should read what James Dobson said. He basically summed it up. He feared for the children of America, the families. He said, I fear judgment befalling America. Here's my good friend. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but he lives down in Alabama. He texted me this yesterday. I'm just going to read it. This is people. This is Americans, believers, how they're feeling. After seeing the White House in rainbow colors, I mourn for our country, our, our White House, our president, our families, our children, and the people that voted this way to usher in to this country the gates of hell. Judgment is coming soon. Judgment will touch this White House family soon. We need to pray for our country, pray for our leaders. And uh, the other party leadership are a bunch of cowards too. That's what he said. And uh, anyway, I tried to encourage him because he's a great man. One of, one of the finest men I know in this nation. You know what I'm talking about. 
And then I got a, hey, Tarina, can I read yours? You may have changed. This was just when you heard the news. But um, I literally want to cry as I've been putting things on my calendar for July. I kept noticing I have no plans for the 4th. I just realized why there's no more USA, no more freedom, no more Independence Day. The nation we have known is gone. Only in our heavenly identity and heritage are we free. That does not mean that God does not have a plan. But we're now walking with the Lord through a land that is new and previously unknown. And it is unknown. I'm going to read a little bit of this man. He's one of the watchmen that I've I've known about for years. I don't know that he gets much attention in the Church of America. Now they may pay some attention to him. But anyway, I'm going to read a little bit. Here's what he wrote. Uh, This obviously happened right after the decision. Maybe he lessened up a little, but he said, I grieve because the land of my youth is dead. I grieve because I know what the blasphemous ruling means. I grieve because five unelected ones decided the fate of a nation and legalized the abominable. Let me ask you a question real quick. Does God ever judge a nation based on the decisions of its leaders? What does the scripture say? God judged Israel because David took a census. All he did was count the people. I've always wondered, God, what was so evil about counting people? You remember the choices God gave David? First he said, okay, here's your choice. I would, what was the first one? Yeah, the enemies, that's the second one, would come after you for three months. The first one, there would be seven years of famine. And then the third one was plague, three days of plague. So you got seven years of famine. You got three months where the borders would be removed and a foreign enemy, a troop, would come in and invade the land. And then the third one was a plague for three days. You remember that? And uh, how did David respond? He said, oh, God, don't let us fall into your hands or don't let us fall into the hands of man. The, the foreign troops, but God let us fall into your hands because you're merciful. And so what did what happened? God sent a plague. You know it really, if you study it out, because people today, they want to bind the devil. I rebuke you, you devil, you plague. You know where the plague came from? God. Do you know how it is? In fact, you go to the verse 1 of that chapter, It says, now God moved upon David to number the people because of the sins of the land. And God moved upon David to number the people. Now, this is is way out there. But I'm telling you, America's great enemy right now. Now, yes, Satan, you cannot have our children. The devil is trying to come in every door. A door was opened this week. But... Our greatest threat is God. And the only way you remove a threat from God is you turn to Jesus, his son. It's the only antidote is the cross. Repentance, the blood of Jesus. And if the whole nation won't do it, we'll do it. We'll do it. And we love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this is, let me go in and read This watchman's encouraging words. I grieve because my children have been handed the baton of a moral cesspool. I grieve because I know how dark it's going to become. I grieve because in my heart I know that God our creator who abides in the real supreme court is going to respond with his ruling. The God of heaven will mock humans, men and women. They chose now America is going to pay the price. And he goes on and I'm going to skip some of it because... But he's weeping for the losses, grieving for the fallen. He's crying out to God. He said, today America has turned the corner. She's left the path. And then he goes on and on and on. And I thought, man, all these people, everybody's having feelings and thoughts. And they're speaking all kinds of things. Oh, and by the way, it doesn't matter what you speak. It's what God has spoken. It's thus saith the Lord. So I, wanted, I said, God, 
my friend in Alabama and people that I love, and me too, we're having a lot of emotions. Anybody had any emotions this week? You know, you, you hear about that. How many of you just went through this week unscathed, like everything was rosy-dozy? Nothing is going on. It's pie in the sky. Praise the Lord, I'm going to my picnic. How many of you went through that? Not a one of you. If you have any of God inside of you, you grieved. You were turned. And so I said, well, God, what do you have to say about it? And so he had directed me to Genesis chapter 18, and I want to look at that, and then we'll go over in 2 Peter. And then I'm going to finish up on a high note. Does that say amen? Remember, the gospel is the wages of sin is death. And, but, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. They both fit together. A big segment of the church wanted to leave the first part out. It's too negative. Well, it's part of it. You got to know you're lost before you can be found. You got to know you're sick before you can be healed. And God's called the church to sound the alarm. Literally. The other day, I, was, I went through uh, Lenore, and there was a man on the side of that road, and he had a bus, something, something ministries. He had a white outfit on like he was an angel, and he had a trumpet. He was blowing the trumpet as the traffic passed by. And there might have been a time I would have said, boy, that guy's different. And he was. But I said, God bless that man. He just probably obeyed God. He's blowing the trumpet. He's sounding the alarm. Wake up. Wake up. I don't know if America is going to wake up, but the church better wake up. The time is very short. We better wake up very close. So what does God say? God, what do you say? I want to know what does us say at the Lord about all this? Well, then look in verse 16 of Genesis 18. Then the men of rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? And I wonder, will God hide from us what he's doing today? No. He says, I'll do nothing except that I first share my secrets with my servants, the prophets. Are we not supposed to be a prophetic church, a prophetic people? Then we can expect to be hearing what God's doing and get in alignment, get in, in place with him. Well, he goes on, since Abraham surely shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. In other words, those who bless Abraham are going to be blessed, right? Those who curse are going to be cursed. And, uh, but he's reminding Abraham, regardless of what happens, there's a promise on your life. Now listen to this. How many of you have something God's promised you? That's what you go back to in times when it looks really dark on the outside. You go, you go back to what he said about your life. His promises are yes and amen. And so he said, he reminds Abraham that you're going to become a great and mighty nation. Whatever's going to happen, remember the word of the Lord. For 19, verse 19, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they should keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. The Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken. In other words, there has to be obedience to walk in the promises of God. How many of you know that? It's not always a done deal if you're living in rebellion. We have to, if my people which are called by my name, and so we obey. He gives the Holy Spirit to them that do what? Obey him. Those that obey him. You can see that in the scripture. So let's go on. And, the, and then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because this sin or their sin is very grave. Now what makes this sin so grave? Why do you think? I mean, it's just another sin, right? It is another sin. Sin is sin. That's why Jesus died. But this sin goes back all the way to the beginnings of creation and to the first institution that God set up on planet earth, the family. For this reason, God shall, he called forth a man and a woman, man and wife, 
and the two shall become one. And whom God hath put together, let no one separate. Let no one make any judgment to separate what God has set in place. How many of you know that? So it's the beginning of, cre- of the foundation of civilization. It's his first institution on the planet. That's why it is such a grievous sin before the Lord. And then he goes on, and um, you guys hanging with me. You had not left yet, have you? You got to hang around until I get over into Psalm 102. We're going to end up with the second part of that. The wages of sin is death, but I'm going to end up in the second part. I am a good news preacher, but I ain't going to back down from telling folks what sin will do to you if you stay on that course. Man, listen, that's what we've been called to do. You know, you know what sin will do to you? It'll kill you. But Jesus will save you. Individuals or nations and on. All right. Here he goes. I will go down now and see whether they have done all together according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Recently, a pastor told me, he said, he looked it up. And I'm not going to have to spend time there. But he said, homosexuality is not listed among the sins of Sodom. And I looked it up, and you're right. It talks about idleness of time and the way you treat the alien. And uh, there was too much food and all these things. But then you read the very next verse. Evidently, this pastor forgot. Isn't it convenient sometimes to forget some of the scriptures? The very next verse talks about how what they had done was wicked and their works were abominable. What is an abomination? It is this sin. And so... It doesn't matter. You can leave out, I believe it was verse 50 in that text, but God didn't leave it out. How many of you know that? We might leave out some of the scripture, but God is not going to leave it out. It's thus saith the Lord. Is that not true? So don't leave me yet. Now look in verse 25, and you know they're starting to count them down, 50 righteous. But look in verse 25. Far be it from you that you should do such a thing to slay the righteous with the wicked. So that the righteous should be as the wicked, far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, there's a big question. Can I tell you what? The judge of all the earth is going to do right. He is a righteous judge. A righteous judge. And you're going to have to remind people of that. And then he goes on, and I could read so much more. But, but look in, in uh, chapter 19. And uh, we see that, remember the story. Let's see if I can remind you of this. Just remember. What happens? Okay, this angel, I guess, righteous man, shows up. Lot tries to bring him in his house. He does because the city is so wicked. If, he leave, if they spend the night in the park, what's going to happen? The men of Sodom are going to, they're going to know this man. They're going to come to know him sexually. And so anyway, you remember he gets him in, and they go through this big ordeal. And, uh, well, I like that in verse, uh, verse 14. It said, uh, when, or, or back up in verse 12, it says, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? They're looking for this man. Verse 13, For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And, uh, but to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. There are people right now that are looking at what's happening very lightly. We do not realize what gate of hell was opened over over America this week. The typical church member does not understand. You should understand. This was a big gate of hell. You're going to have to have a big Jesus living inside of you. You're going to have to walk in the fire of God to overcome what's coming upon our nation. The only way to escape the fire is to be on fire. Then you'll just merge in with the consuming fire and be part of the fire. He's going to either consume or he's going to refine one or the other. I'd rather be refined. The Lord said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. And then he goes on, and the Lord was merciful to Lot and delivered him. Look over in 2 Peter chapter, here's what God says about the day. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. Then I'm going to go to Psalm. 2 Peter 
Say it's not that bad. I'm talking about what God's doing in you. It's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. He's a good God. He's going to finish the work he started in us. How many of you know that's true? You wondered, God, how are you going to do it? Well, he might turn the heat up a little bit. How's he going to get a bride without spot and blemish and without wrinkle? To get wrinkles out of our shirts, you got to use a little heat and pressure, don't you? Now, today, you don't have to do it. They come out of the dryer all ready to wear. Not yours? But the little heat and a little pressure. Hey, guys, it's not bad. The end result is a bride without spot and blemish. The bride, the bridegroom. Wow, this is it. Say, this is it. Do you realize the times we're living in? The star of Bethlehem is going to appear before over North America Tuesday night. Are you kidding me? For the first time in over 2,000 years. The last time they said it was over the, the other hemisphere. Over, obviously it was. Over Jerusalem and Bethlehem. This time it's over America. wonder what God is saying. Anyway, look at this in verse 4. Let's hurry up and read this. Read it. I'll try to read it fast as if it's not there. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them a what? An example. What is an example? And it's an example. It means you look at that so you'll know what God will do in the days to come. An example to those who afterward would live ungodly in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. And delivered, but look what he did. He delivered righteous Lot. Now, here's how Lot felt about the situation. Here's how, this, this will free you up. Some of you thought you lost your faith. No, you're just grieving. The Spirit of God, look what happened. Who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. He was oppressed by this. For that righteous man, dwelling among them, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Does that help you? There should be a grieving deep inside. There should be something as you're seeing the situation. You just don't end there. You go on. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly. Say deliver. Out of temptations or trial and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. Now, what are you going to do when your heart is overwhelmed? You run to the rock that's higher than I. That's a short side of it. But I'm going to give you some things really quick out of Psalm 102. Is that okay? Turn over there because a lot of people are feeling overwhelmed all over America. And that's a good place to be. Can I just announce that? Feeling overwhelmed is actually not that bad because you get to run to the rock. You run to the one. Our help is not in man. It is not in governments. Our help we have to lift our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And so over in Psalm 102, we, just some things I'm going to point out. What happens when you feel overwhelmed and darkness comes in like a flood? What are you going to do? Run and hide? Or are you going to rise up? And be the people of God. This is our opportunity. Look, he says in verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. Incline your ear to me. In that day I will call, answer me speedily. In other words, God is coming speedily at the heart cry of his people. Have you noticed how fast wickedness is coming upon America? Listen, wickedness cannot keep up with the goodness of our God. Look how, if, if evil would come this fast, how fast will the goodness and the promises of God break out among the people of God that are reaching out to Him? 
He goes in verse 3, for my days are consumed like smoke and my bones like, are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken so that I forget to eat my bread. Now that's having a bad day. When you forget to eat, you're so discouraged, you're so overwhelmed, you forget to open the refrigerator. That's a bad day. But that's exactly, he goes on and describes, I'm like a pelican of the wilderness and an owl of the desert and I lie awake. I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. What do those three things have in common? A pelican in the wilderness, an owl in the desert, and a sparrow all along on the housetop. What do they have? They're all alone. They're all by themselves. There are going to be times you're going to feel all alone and like everybody's against you. You ever felt that way before? Like the whole world's turned against you. Nobody else is serving God. I want you to know there are way more than 7,000 that are following the king in this hour that will not bow the knee to Baal. And he knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust for the day of punishment. I like that. Look down in verse 12. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever. Say, but you. Now, this is a real key. When people come to you and they say, do you know what's happening to the stock market? You don't have to pretend you're living in some religious thing. Just say, yeah, I know. But God, do you know what's happening on the borders of America? Yeah, I know, I heard it. But God, do you know what plague? They just found a a young man died of a plague in Colorado. I understand it's not that rare, but let's say something like the bird flu visits America. People will say, do you know how bad it's getting? Yeah, I heard about it. I read about it. But God, do you know World War III? I've heard so many prophets in the hour prophesy World War III. And you know, if I didn't know better, I think it's on the, we're right on the edge of it. Russia is getting ready, arming testing our airspace, gearing up China, creating islands where they're parking their military vehicles. If you didn't know better, you'd think war is on the horizon. Somebody else said it was going to happen too. You remember who it was? Jesus. Jesus, he said that. He was an end-time preacher, Dan. They didn't like him either. Tell me sweet stuff, Jesus. Don't confess war. War might happen. I don't care if you deny it all. Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars. But he also said be not troubled. Because the end is not yet. So anyway, let's say they say us. They tell us that. You can say I know that, but God. But God. All right, let me show you. We'll, We'll move through quickly. Boy, it's late. Are you guys okay? I got to get this out. Guess what? We're not going to meet for three weeks. So I got to preach a bunch of messages. I, I, I even woke up this morning and saw something in the book of Acts about the miraculous and the apostles laying hands and the church. And anyway, that'll come somewhere in August. I'm telling you. It's a great time. We're going to hit the ground running. I'm tired of talking about all this stuff. I'm ready to do the works. I'm ready. God, I want to see the dead raised out of the graves. When I say that, I hear him say, there are going to be a few dead to raise. Get ready. It's the time you've been waiting for. It's the time of your life. So when we come back, we hit the ground running. We're going to worship higher. We're going to love deeper. We're going to know him more. We're going after God. Man, we're going to hit the streets. We got to hit the streets. Brian, that's God. We got to go, go, go. Because there's coming an hour that no man will work. So we got to work the works that he sent us to do. I know with all of my heart, before that trumpet sounds, the church is going to have a testimony that the church has finished the works that he gave us to do. He said, even as my father sent me, so send I you. And if he sends us, we're going to complete the mission. They may try to wipe us out. They ain't going to wipe us out. They ain't going to wipe out. I'm telling you, it ain't going to happen. I got to tell you one more little quick thing. It's okay. I mean, we don't meet. So it's, it's all right. I went to a place this week. I know two Confederate soldiers are buried. 
And that was right after they're tearing down the flags. I'm being from Louisiana, you understand? And ripping. They're not even going to ban. What is it? What's that movie? Gone with the Wind and all this stuff. I mean, they just went on a rampage. So anyway, I go to this place where two Confederate soldiers, and I'm reading. I've been there before. I know where it is. One of them died at 23 in the Battle of the Wilderness, fighting for his beloved South. That's what is on his tombstone. Then the other brother, the, the third son, the second son and the third son, somehow he's 21 years old. He died at the Battle of Gettysburg. And I just got down. I said, I know they're gone, but I just, I said, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that this is what America has become. You guys loved your country. You may have been fighting for the South. You loved America. And anyway, I, that's a, a told, you may think that's weird. But I was just kind of going through something, trying to, you know, put it all together. And then the Lord hit me. He said, listen, if they're purging the, the Confederate flag, guess what else they're about to purge? Because it's going to be considered hate speech. What I just read to you is hate speech. He said, get ready for the purging of the Bible. He said, that's why you gotta hide my word in your heart and meditate. You gotta know what I said. You gotta know in whom you have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep all that we've committed unto him. And it's coming to a theater near you. What an incredible time to be alive, Ruthie. This is it, man. And if it's not it, so be it. We'll just win a big harvest. Let's just plan a revival. If God hadn't planned it, then let's just do it anyway. He'll have to show up because we're going to demand for a great awakening. I know that's not biblical. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to sit down in this hour. My youth is being renewed like the eagles. Yours is too. You think we're getting a little older. Forget it. There's newness, strength coming. I'm telling you, the anointing will give you 50 years that you never thought you had or you lost. We can do more with the anointing than we could if we had $20 billion in our bank account. You know what I'm talking about? It's the anointing. The church of tomorrow and today is going to have the anointing. The anointing. And it's going to drive the wicked crazy. Okay, I promised I would hurry. Here's what he says when he's overwhelmed. Verse 12. But you, Lord, shall endure. Say, he will endure. His word will endure forever. The flesh and men will pass away his word. Secondly, it says, and you will arise. Verse 13. You will arise. Say, arise. Now, you can go back and look at it later. But over in... uh, You know, Isaiah 60, he says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is going to come upon what? You're arising. People are waiting for God to arise. Now, he will arise. When he arises, his enemies are scattered. But God's waiting for you to arise. The glory is waiting for the church to wake up. At our arising. There are two arisings there. I want the second one so I can get to the first one. If we just get up a little bit, I believe God will come a whole lot. He's way bigger than us. And then have mercy. God, arise and have mercy. Now, this thought came to me this week. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, the context is you're speaking. And if you show judgment, you're going to be judged. If you show mercy, you will receive mercy. But also there's that principle. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That means in the midst of judgment, the mercies of God, regardless of the degree of judgment, still triumph. In the midst of judgment. We get to show God's mercies as a nation is being brought to its knees. The mercies of God endure forever. Isn't that amazing? And he must bring our nation to its knees. If he loves us. And he does. I'm telling you, God loves America. Can I tell you again? God loves America. And whom he loves, 
He disciplines. The cruelest thing, and I really mean this, God could do is take his hand off of us and let us keep plunging down a dark, deep hole. You think things are wicked now over just the last few months? Do you know what it would be like in just the next number of years? The darkness. God, judge us. That's my prayer. He says, in fact, Isaiah said, if God doesn't judge, the wicked will never learn righteousness. It's his mercies. It's his mercy. So we got to be ready to tell people. Okay, be ready. Tell them, our God is good. He is a consuming fire. So just tell them, look, man, get on fire, and you won't be burned up. How can fire burn up fire? It ain't going to happen. You just get in the fire. Boy, it's going to be good. Have mercy. The next thing, let's skip on. When you're overwhelmed, you need favor. That's what Joseph needed, and God gave him, even in prison, the favor of God. Say, I've got the favor of God on me. I want to prophesy that. I wish I could pour it in your head. I can't. But I'm telling you, you have God's favor on your life. Why? Because of Jesus. God extremely favors his son. And if you know his son, the favor of God is on you. Don't you be talked out of it. You're going to need it. And you've got it. And then so the nation shall fear the name of the Lord. That's in verse 15. Fear will come and dread will come upon a nation that has rejected God. It's part of God's plan. And then look in verse 16. We'll go quickly. I really am. I said that earlier, but now I'm going to tell the truth. For the Lord shall build up Zion. Did you see that? Now, God is also a God that tears things down. Remember Jeremiah? Sometimes he tears things down so he can build them up. But Jesus was a carpenter. Our God is a builder. He, the devil is the destroyer. Our God is a builder. And I don't care what happens. He's building up his people. And he's building a church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I'm going to be a part of that church. I don't know all it looks like yet. All we know is what he's shown us. But I'm going to be a part. And then he shall appear in his glory, verse 16. Verse 17, he shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their prayer. In other words, these are the days of unheard of answers to prayer. Unheard of. Off the charts. Don't pray little prayers anymore. Pray big, big prayers. You have the authority. You have the faith. You have the calling, the anointing to pray big prayers. Big prayer. Prayers that, that split seas wide open. I'm telling you. It's prayers that cause mountains to be removed. Prayers that raise the dead. Listen, this is our hour. It is our time. And our God is good. And I don't know how to end it. I don't, I don't want to end it. I'm going to have to take 21 days. I'm going to have to make myself take it. But I'm going to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to get in Tillis' office whether I hear from him back or not. Somehow. Now, I won't break in because then, <laughs> then you'll read about me in the Washington Post. I'm going to be nice, and I'm going to be nice. I really am. I, I think those guys are all good guys. But we need them to stand up. But we need you. They need you. I bet you they're going to say, hey, we need the church at our back right now. I heard Rick say that. That's one senator told him. We need to know that the church has got our back. So anyway, I wanted before you go, everybody to be prayed for. Just a second. I, I want my, some guys, I've asked some people to come around the altar. Would you guys come that I, I asked to join me? I feel like everybody during this 21-day sabbatical needs to be prayed over for what? For God's protection, God's blessing, God's favor. I'm going to pray for a fresh anointing to come upon you, for the fire of God to come. 
I want to break off all fear. I've heard from a few of my friends, and their fear has slipped in. Fear must go in Jesus' name. We've not been called to walk in fear. We've been called to walk in faith. So I'm going to pray for faith. We want us to pray. We want to release power, healing. Listen, some of you are going to have encounters with God over the next 21 days. You did not plan. You did not expect. You didn't look for. But God's going to show up and give you a strategy and a plan and vision for his purpose in your life. If you have purpose, you will make it. You'll do more than make it. You do more than make it. You'll see many others make it as well. You know why Joseph got out of prison? He had a purpose. And it didn't matter what men intended for evil. God meant for good. So we want to pray that. And we want to pray his goodness on you. And I don't know, but I just felt we need to seal every person for whatever happens. I don't know what's going to Maybe nothing. Maybe I don't care. It doesn't matter. But God's people are going to be on fire. So put some music in or play something, Joshua, and we just want to pray over you. You guys come, walk, find somebody to pray. Say, hey, pray for me. Because I already prayed for these guys. The anointing is upon them. And they're just going to release, release over you. Faith, healing, deliverance. If you're lost, if you're here, you say, I don't even know if I know Jesus. What are you talking about? Well, come up and say, hey, I want to know Jesus. Would you pray for me? I'm not certain. I'm going to heaven. Whatever, whatever your need is. But before you go, let somebody just pray. Seal you. Stir up the faith. Stir up the gifts and the fire of God in your life. God bless you guys. Thank you for your endurance this morning.